0: Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you receive a blessing from this program. Please join us in person this Sunday for Bible study at 9.30 or our worship service at 10.35. We promise that you will receive a warm welcome. For more information or to watch our services live, please visit our website, gpnd.net. Let's join our service already in progress. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you today. Today we're celebrating all of you that are veterans, and we've got a little uh, movie to uh, honor you today, so uh, they're gonna bring the lights down. I want you to watch this.
1: For the freedom you fought for, and the flag you stood for, for the country we cherish, and the people we love, for the bravery you showed, and the fortitude You held, for the days of dedication and the nights of devotion, for the miles you walked and the skills you learned, for the months of training and the years of service, for the memories you carry of the battles you saw, for the legacy of your courage and the honor you deserve. When our nation needed you most, you answered the call, a deep and unshakable sense of allegiance and responsibility. You were bold, you did not hesitate, and you did not walk away. You were gone for holidays and anniversaries and birthdays because while we were living in peace and freedom, you were fighting for it. Thank you is not enough. We can't repay you but we will promise to remember you are the reason we can sing the land of the free and the home of the brave you are the heroes among us you are not forgotten you are the veterans Courage, we honor your sacrifice, and we thank you today.
0: Amen. If, if you are now serving or you have served in any of the armed services, would you please stand? Oh yes, give me, it. amen we just want to thank you for your service and you know what no matter what goes on we are so thankful for you we're thankful for our country and uh, we just want to uh, have a word of prayer real quick father we just want to thank you for all of those that served those that are serving now and lord i just pray that you would bless them and uh, honor them and lord we just thank you that our country is still free And Lord, I just pray that you would help each American today to keep voting and fighting for that freedom that we need. And Lord, I just pray that uh, you would just be with this service now in Jesus' name.
2: Be. Through your righteousness I've been redeemed. Forgiven by your grace, your joy is my strength. When everything has changed, you stay the same.
3: Here's another one Why yeah you love me like you love me I'll never know why yeah yeah you love me like you love me. That's when I need you the most, and Lord I'll never know why I, 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 you love me like you love me. I'll never know why I, 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 you love me like you love me. Your love is better than silver, better than gold, better than anything I've ever known. I'll never know. love me, i will never know. Why? 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 You love me like you love me,
4: I'll never know. Why?
5: My soul has no music or rhyme, and I know what it's like to be tired of the valley, but simply
4: have no strength to climb.
5: To break forth and
4: singing when my soul is a sweet melody. Lord, I know what it's like when the battle is over and Jesus standing by
5: me. I know what it's like to stand by a graveside and say goodbye to my friends. And I know what it's like to stand back and wonder at things I can't comprehend. And I know what it's like to walk through a desert and not have one cloud in the sky. And I know what it's like to face great disappointment, and in weakness, ask the Lord
4: why.
6: Thank you, Stan, choirs, specials. Appreciate it so much. Okay, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. And right before I I begin this, let me just say that uh, there's kind of a scam that's been going up trying to use my name. So if somebody says, this is Pastor Jim, Anything about me, about money, about anything, if, just, I don't send those things out, okay? So uh, somebody, a couple people have been contact through email, and they try to figure out scams everywhere, don't they? It's just unbelievable. Best is just don't answer. If you don't know what it is, just don't answer anything. And uh, so let me encourage you about that. Today I want to talk about living with a biblical perspective. Living with a biblical perspective. And there's a real difference. And we're going to look at what Paul says, some practical things uh, for the believer today in Romans 13, when I get there. Uh, Before you get saved, you look through a humanistic, worldly view. And you decide about life, about decisions, all kinds of things. And when you rely on human wisdom only and you're natural, it always leads to a downward spiral where whether you have or have not, you will come up empty, you'll come up dry, you will come up not the way God wants you to. And at the end, you'll be lost and you'll be separated from God forever. That's just a fact. Now, having a biblical perspective is when we, as a lost person, we know we're sinners, And uh, we hear the wonderful gospel that Christ came into this world, lived a sinless life on an old rugged cross. He died. He shed his blood. And they buried him. And three days later, he rose from the grave. He's alive today. That's called the gospel. And when I come to the fact of belief in my heart, the fact that Christ is the Son of God, he died for my sins, And he was buried for my sins and he rose again in order to save me, to justify me. And when I put my faith in that message, that gospel alone, that's when I become a child of God. Now, when I become a child of God then, the way that I look at things, I try not my best to look through it through man's lens, but I look through it through the word of God. And it's the Word of God that is my perspective now on the will of God, the ways of God, the wisdom of God. All of that now can be understood because now I have God. When I was saved, He sealed the Holy Spirit inside of me. And the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me is the author of Scripture All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's God the Holy Spirit. As they were moved by the Holy Spirit, the Bible states. And so now I have the author of Scripture living inside of me to help me to read the Word, to try to understand the Word, and then when I make decisions in my life, whether it's what do I uh, do with my life, what career do I do, what school do I go to, Uh, What do I train in? You know, who do I marry? (laughs) And uh, on and on it goes. I look through the scriptures, and it has principles there that I can make a good decision. Because now I'm looking in a biblical perspective way. Does that make sense? Now, the problem is most of us, we don't get in the word enough to be able to look at it that way. And so I want to challenge us this morning. Paul gives us some things here that I think are really critical, they're key, and uh, I hope that they'll be a challenge to you. Some just real simple, practical things he says. Paul says, number one, be honest and pay what you owe to your government and to others. That's not good news, is it? Uh, Romans 13, verse 7. Render, therefore, to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. There it tells us it's our responsibility, this is to fulfill our obligations. We applaud those individual people who have been willing to serve in public office, especially the military, the policemen, the firefighters, first responders, all these individual people, I'm glad that some of my tax money goes to them. I I appreciate that. Paul commands believers to give what is owed to fulfill your obligations. In other words, we're to pay our debts. We're to pay our taxes. Even though we don't like them, we're to pay our taxes. You know, Jesus said this. I think it's very, very important. Most people think government is only corrupt, and we have a lot of corruption in government. We understand that. But remember when Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And he's talking about coins paying taxes. And Caesar wasn't a very nice guy. You understand that. Uh, They had a corrupt government. And he says, pay what you owe there. Everyone's not to do what's right in their own eyes. Uh, you do that, you'll get in trouble. There has to be an overriding order within government itself or there will be chaos. Amen? Now, government is to protect its people and punish its evildoers, the lawbreakers. So he says, pay what you owe. Another thing Paul said, I think it's interesting, and here in Romans 13, he says, don't owe with overburdening credit. Don't owe with overburdening credit. He says in verse 8, owe no man anything but to love one another for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Owe no man anything there. Some interpret this to mean you're never To borrow any money you're never to use credit cards but always pay cash lots of luck on that when you buy a car you buy a house amen but in verse 7 we just saw we're to pay what we owe we're not to borrow beyond our ability to be able to repay it back That's what he's talking about. We fulfill our obligation of promised payment and the best we can do on time. And when believers don't do that, they begin to make excuses, they lie, they dodge the creditors, and when you do that, that's when you lose your testimony for the Lord. There are too many Christian deadbeats Can I get an amen on that one? I've had people, they look sharp at church, not just here, the other church, and you know, leaders and so on, and then you come to find out they owe everybody in town and they're not paying anything. And I've even had one guy slam the phone down on me, called me, told me about it, and then said, I never would come to that church. Well, We have a wonderful testimony now with that family, don't we? That was just because of a deadbeat leader at that time. The Bible warns of the dangers of borrowing. You have to be careful, no question about it. Proverbs 22, 7, The rich ruleth over the the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Boy, that's true. Sometimes that debt just, it's hanging over your head, isn't it? I mean, it's it's just there. I remember at Emmanuel uh, when uh, our first time we went to the bank to borrow $100,000 to build our first phase. We had raised a certain amount of money, and we need another $100,000 to complete it. And uh, for the first 10 minutes, he sat there and told us why uh, he couldn't lend it to us. I'm thankful he changed his mind later on, and they did. But... He was saying that there were so many churches that had not paid their payments in the area. And he named several right to me right then, that they're not making their payments now. And why would we want to lend to another church when churches don't make their payments on time? As a matter of fact, we got this church here because the other church was 11 payments behind. So how do you foreclose on a church that was his gist? But thank God that God intervened. But he warns about the dangers of borrowing. You have to be careful. But borrowing is not condemned. It states in Psalm 112, A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. (laughs) So there's nothing wrong. He's not condemning borrowing. He's condemning when you don't pay it back. But the deadbeats are called wicked in the Bible. Psalm 37, verse 21 says this, The wicked borroweth and payeth not again. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? And there are too many people like that. You said, Pastor, you don't understand what I'm doing trying to live. Hey, we've all been there. I was raised up in a poor family, never had enough to do anything. And when Carol and I were first married, I was a concrete finisher, we'd be okay in the summer, in the winter we'd starve. And uh, I remember I went to a friend, I said, I need $25,000, that's what I was in debt for. And he loaned me $25,000, 12% interest. Now remember, that's when it was 21% interest under Jimmy Carter, 12% interest, And we made that monthly payment, never missed. We paid that off and we swore we never would get in that position again. And because we lived from credit card to credit card because we didn't make enough money at the church to live. And so you work a little bit and you do the church a little bit at that time. And uh, we've never gone back. And it's awful to have that thing hanging over you. But I would have lost my testimony if I not had been faithful and paid that back. So it's very, very important. The third thing Paul says, love Christ and you'll obey his commandments. Love Christ, you'll obey his commandments. You know, the law is good and it's holy, but the law was to show us our depravity, our sinfulness, wasn't it? Notice verse 9 and 10. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Yeah, it is. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment. It is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You know, I've heard those laws before somewhere. <laughs> it's called the Ten Commandments, right? Right? The law is good, law is holy, but simple man can't follow it. But if you love Christ, we're not under the law's covenant, but under grace we obey his commandments. And the reason is Christ came into our hearts through the person of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, is love. That's the very first one. So grace and love teaches us not to commit adultery, not to kill, not to steal, not to bear false witness, not to covet or whatever commandment. We obey God's truth from our love of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we are operating in grace then, aren't we? It states in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, for the grace of God, remember that, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that grace of God, that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. The reason we follow the things of God is because we love Christ with all of our hearts. That's why. Then Paul says this, number four, He says, wake up, for it's getting close to going home. Notice verse 11. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Paul wants believers to come alive to come out from their doubt of Christ's soon coming, to come out of their spiritual lethargy, spiritual sleep, their slumber, their lukewarmness, their lazy Christian life. Pretty strong, isn't it? He says, listen, spiritual hibernation time is over. As a matter of fact, when you look at the verbs in that verse, it it has the idea that, that rapture, it should have already happened. So we're living on borrowed time today. So if you don't think it's not time to serve the Lord, when do you think it is time? Amen? Amen. Paul's saying that since it's such a late date, knowing that the dispensation of grace is about to conclude, Us sleeping on the job, (laughs) taking it easy, is not grace. That is disgrace. Amen. Amen. The day of our complete salvation, our soul and spirit's already intact, saved, but our bodies have not been delivered yet. But it's about to happen at the rapture. We're nearer home than what we think Then Paul says this, since time is short, put off the wrong and put on the right because you're going to be facing him soon. It's not long we stand in his presence and we will be facing him. Verse 12 says this, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Paul said, listen, we don't have much time left to serve the Lord. There's evil, there's darkness, there's the satanic evil system of this world, but it's about to be no more involved with you. All of Satan's temptations and taking us hostage to sin is coming to an end very, very soon because we'll be leaving this place. So hang in there. Amen? The night is gone and the day is near. Now he says there in that verse 12, the day is at hand. What day is he talking about? The day of the rapture, the day of the calling up out of this world, the body of Christ. That day, states in Romans 8, 23, and not only they but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the Spirit even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Our soul and spirit's already saved, but it's our body that one day that will be transformed and have a glorified body. Second Timothy 1.12 says this, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know who... I have believed and persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him, now get this, against what? That day. The day we will be facing Christ when we're raptured out of here. Chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. (laughs) That's when we receive our rewards, okay? When we go up. And so it's the responsibility of each believer to not allow the world, the devil, the flesh, to put us into a spiritual sleep. Amen. It can get us involved with everything else, but spiritually, we're dull, lethargic, and sleepy. You know, uh, I just think of the pandemic that we've just been through. And I, I, it's affected me quite a bit. And the times you had to stay in and not going out I had Carol leave our Christmas tree up all this time, still up, at least at night I can see some lights, kind of encouraged me a little bit. And, uh, and then of course, I had the shots, if you didn't, that's your decision, but I had the shots and we, we've had, uh, what do you call it? Side effects, Side effects from the shots and uh, Carol has eczema really bad I have it on my ankles and my feet and there are just certain things and it makes you kind of, and you have to fight through some of these things physically and so you have these things bringing you down that you can't move like you would like to move or think like you would like to think sometimes. And so uh, it's easy to get uh, lethargic concerning spirituality when you're having all these other troubles. I just think the devil is shrewd. And uh, notice what Paul also says. He says, live different from unbelievers. Verse 13. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. You see, grace is to help us to have a godly behavior. We're to be different from a lost person. A lost person lives in natural wisdom, darkness, without Christ, and no hope. Let me ask you this question here. Since you have been saved, does your life show a difference between you and a lost person? That's a good question. As a believer, our practice should be above reproach. It should be transparent, should be drawing those who don't know Christ. Our new life in Christ is in us. 1 Thessalonians 5.5 5 says this here. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness like we used to be or like lost people. We should be different. And our testimony is critical. We, once you get saved, we can't allow Uh, the old life to creep back into our new life. We have to fight that the best. If we do, we're just hypocrites. Amen? And the last thing Paul says, he says, make a decision to follow Christ each day. Verse 14, he says this, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. To put on Christ means to apply God's word, God's truths to our daily lives. We are not only to stop sinful behavior, not just stopping that. I don't do that anymore. Well, that's good. What are you doing? We are to replace those sinful habits with new godly habits. And that doesn't happen unless you say, God, here I am, I'm your all. That means it might be necessary for me to begin to run with different people. It means I might need to start going to church and hear the word of God and faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It might be I need to go to church because there's accountability when I see people, how you doing and so on. And that helps you to stay on the narrow road. It wasn't until I'd made that decision myself as a believer did there, was there a real positive change in my life the way it should be. And I challenge you to do that, to make each day decide it's for Christ. Amen? Now he said in that verse, and I want to focus to close, make no provision for the flesh. In other words, Paul... He's a pretty wise guy, isn't he? And Paul here, he's saying, don't trust your flesh. Don't give your flesh the opportunity to control your life because it will bite and destroy your life. It will destroy your testimony if you yield to your flesh in a wrong way. You think about how many believers have fallen and given in to the flesh's lies. You think of Demas. He had the privilege of being with the great apostle Paul and yet (laughs) Paul says Demas hath forsaken. You know, the the lights of the world were more attractive and that's the, the, the direction that he went. And he lost the opportunity of not just a lifetime but of eternity of staying with the apostle Paul and being faithful. He threw away so much just because of his flesh. How many friends do we have that used to be faithful, come with us? How many members used to sing with us, pray with us, rejoice in God, invite people, see people saved, and now they no longer do those spiritual things, but they're back in the world they're back controlled by their flesh. The flesh is so strong. We're not to place ourselves in tempting positions in our living or in our mind. We have to be careful with our minds today. There's so much what trash. I want to say slut stuff. Okay, bottom line. On uh, TV or the internet, you have to be so careful. Your mind—it states this in Second Corinthians ten five: casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And then the flesh. You say, he said, don't make provision for it. He says in Galatians 5:19 and following, here's what you're dealing with. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such alike, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you, In time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So usually that's a lost person, but if you're a Christian, you start committing those things, what do you think is going to happen to you? That flesh is like dynamite. It's ready to explode if you don't be controlled by the Spirit of God. And it's a struggle at times. It's a cross pull. And boy, I mean, they're going against each other and, and you have to fight that. Our best weapons, three very simple things. Galatians 5, 17 said this. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Flesh wants to do this, the spirit wants to do this. In verse 17, or 16 he says, I say then walk in the spirit, and you shall not. That's your secret. You have the Spirit of God. Yield to His presence in your heart and in your life. And the other thing is very simple. Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. So you have the Spirit. You have the Word. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. is profitable for doctrine, for uh, correction for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God, woman of God, may be perfect, meaning matured, making godly decisions. So you have the Spirit, you have the Word, and something else you have, 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee, also youthful lust, but follow righteousness. You have feet. <laughs> you have the Spirit, you have the Word, and you have feet to get out of there. Amen. I've been a lot of times we lingered too long instead of running real fast. To show you a biblical perspective in a certain day of believers, here's David. David didn't go out to battle. Notice Second Samuel chapter eleven verse two. 2 Samuel chapter eleven verse two, and it came to pass in the in, in an eventide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Verse 4, And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. David there, he looked, he lusted, he acted. That was his perspective of that moment because he didn't have enough of God in him at that moment to control him. Hello? But then there's a guy by the name of Joseph and here's Joseph, sold into slavery by his brothers, huh? taken to a foreign land, Egypt. There, because God favors him, he rises up to be a leader of this home, Potiphar's house. And as Potiphar's at work, Potiphar's wife would go up to Joseph and say, lie with me. Every day. Here's a young boy, Attractive, nice-looking, in a different land. Nobody's going to find out about it. And here he is, and he's each day she's saying, lie with me. And one day, in particular, she grabbed a hold of him. She wants him to lie with her. Let's just look at it real quick. Genesis 39, verse 7. And it came to pass after these things, that his master's wife cast her eyes upon upon Joseph. And she said, lie with me. Verse 9, there is none greater in this house than I, Joseph speaking, because he's over the house outside of Potiphar. Neither hath he kept back anything from me, his boss, been good to him. But thee, because thou art his wife. Now Now here's his mindset, his perspective, How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Hello, hello, hello. Amen? He had more of God on his mind than the sin and he rejected the sin. And notice verse 10. And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be... With her. And then verse 12. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and feet. Why are thou not moving? (laughs) He had enough sense that I'm getting out of here. Amen. That's a biblical perspective. You run from that sin. And then he says, verse 13. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth. And then it goes on to state that she made some lies, but God set it up for him to be the second. But the whole point is, you have one guy who had a girl problem, a flesh problem, and he decided to follow his flesh. But then you have another young guy, But he had God on his mind. Even after being in prison and slavery and all these things, he had more character because his perspective, he looked at it through God's eyes. And he said that would be a sin. And when she came on him strong, he took off running. Amen? That's a right perspective. Get away from it. You don't invite it or give it the opportunity. So Paul here in Romans chapter 13, he's mentioned just several just real practical things in life that you should do. A lot of people say, well, the Bible's hard to listen. The Bible is very practical if you read it and you study it. And Paul gives us some lessons here. He says, hey, this should be in your life automatically. Don't owe, (laughs) amen? Amen uh best that you can, pay your bills, uh, make Christ love him with all your heart, decide to follow him each day, and get ready, Jesus is coming. Those are some per- pretty good things that a Christian should do. How are you doing? Time is short. We only have a little time if we're going to do anything for Christ to get it done. When do I make a decision that it's not about me and all my happiness and all the things that I want in this life? It's about what can I do for the name of Christ before he soon comes? Amen? Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. And God, I just pray that you would work in the hearts of our people. Thank you for Paul, this practical teaching Uh, of our everyday personal life. And if we just would get up each morning and say, God, this day is about you. This day is for you. Help me to live it. Give me the power that I need. And may I honor you by the decisions that I make and bring those words, bring that word to my mind, to my thoughts, so I can make the correct decisions. Lord, it's not deep. But God, forgive us, so get getting so involved, so entangled with other things that we become sleepy concerning our, our spiritual walk with you. Forgive us, God. And so, God, I just pray that you challenge some Christians here this morning that they're going to go all the way with you in Jesus' name. And everybody said?
0: We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person more information please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512 you can watch us live and view past services on our website facebook or youtube channel until next broadcast may god richly bless you as our prayer